Welcome to Allendale Market Talk. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Mike, we're going to have a continuing education uh, uh, seminar today. Uh, but first, we got to do some uh, some housekeeping here, a little bit of light housekeeping. Let's tell the people what's going on here at Allendale this week. Yes, sir. On Thursday, we have our Allendale conference wrapped in in our snapshot for $1 right now. They can get signed up, and they will not only get the conference with True Learner's uh, Outlook for Weather and our six-month Outlook for Grains, but they will also be subscribed to the Snapshot product for a month on top of that, which includes the strategy sessions every week and pre-report snapshots uh, put together by Steve Georgie and Rich Nelson. So can you get signed up for all that still for $1 ahead of the conference? Just make sure you call in, ask for Zach. That number is 800-262-7538. Very good, very good. All right, so let's talk uh, a little bit about charts, markets, coming up with uh, with ideas, how to figure out research or where to find research. Uh, but let's start with uh, with talking about uh, some charts. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that you can show the same chart to ten different people, and you're going to get ten different answers about what it means. A lot of times you're going to get the same idea that it's bullish or bearish, but uh, you're going to get a different reason why. Why do you think that uh, that is? Is it just from the way that people learn these things? Is it that some people look at, at different technicals in more important ways? What, uh, what do you think the answer is there? When you're looking at charts, especially when you're looking at chart patterns, it's something that you can look at a chart pattern 20 different ways it's never well very rarely ever absolutely ideal where it's just blatantly obvious to everybody that this is on the chart and even with certain patterns there's also lesser known patterns or there are people that are looking at different time frames they're looking at an hourly basis they're looking at a 240 minute basis they're looking at it a daily whatever it may be but you have all those, and then on top of it, they, you have traders' own biases. I like only trading this pattern, so I will look for only this pattern. If mm -hmm. I'm seeing anything else, I'll just discount it. Yeah, it seems like seems like as you as you look at things, and you know, there's there's so many different patterns, there's so many different indicators, uh, indices, you name it, whatever it is, or, or oscillators that there's there's always going to be something that's that's lost in the shuffle you know you talk to one person and they really pay attention to the 40-day moving average where you talk to somebody else and it's all about the 20-day or the 10-day or the 200-day and how they interact with that and some people are Bollinger Band people and some people are you know strictly looking for certain formations whether it's a pennant a flag a head and shoulders uh, type situation so you know it's it's really difficult to you know and as as someone that looks at charts all day long it's really difficult to see the same thing as what you point out sometimes because you have a little more uh, a lot more depth into that and you see you know the the, the minor changes in something that uh, maybe aren't necessarily you know right at the front of everybody else's mind. So that's it is definitely something to uh to remember as you're talking to people about these uh about these charts is that everybody sees them differently, you know. Some people are just as simple as is it in an uptrend? 
yes buy it okay good you know and <laughs> that's that's where it goes it's it's amazing so you know and then couple that with you know fundamentals and trying to find out where do you go to find information you know who who can you who can you talk to or who can you read that's going to give you just the facts they're not going to put their own bias into it is is another thing so where where is it that you can go to to find that kind of information or what where do you find is the best place you know outside of Allendale obviously um, obviously but where where do you go to to find find information about markets or or charts or or fundamentals so a few places to go if you're looking at chart patterns love to go to the pattern site and it's something that's put on by Bukowski he has uh, does uh, trend analysis of stock market trends uh, books like that and he has a website where it is tracked you have actual uh, evidence of what different patterns are uh, showing to work, how often they work, what the actual target uh, seems to be, things along those lines. So it really just goes and breaks down a more in-depth analysis. Um, if you're looking for anything in regards to technical studies, whether it comes to moving averages, Bollinger Bands, whatever it may be, going to really what makes them what they are, moving averages, learning how the math is done behind it and why that math is done that way is huge at understanding, okay, I see that the moving average is going up. I understand when, why it's going up, and I understand that based on these different criteria, it can change. So I'm going to be watching those criteria more intensely. Same thing with uh, different oscillators. What do they mean? How are they produced? And just find the mathematics behind it all is going to be what helps understand those the best going to fundamentals going straight to the source could be the best go straight to the usda site they have plenty of statistics and you can at that point just pull it into an excel document something along those lines and find different patterns that have developed or be able to just look at the raw data and take a peek at what it is completely unfiltered yeah go back and find similar years to what you're what you're sourcing right now and and seeing how we reacted based off of changes in either direction and see which which way that goes you know when the usda makes changes you know as much as people don't want to give them credit for for anything they want to say that they're always wrong it does impact price when they when they speak, and those are the numbers we have to deal with for the next month, quarter, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's important to understand the historicals on that. So if we see a similar move one year to the next, trying to figure out were we in the same situation ten years ago, you know, whatever. So right, and on top of that as well, finding out how they go about their own methodology. So just like you're talking about with historicals, know what to expect. Is it reasonable to think that the USDA is going to be changing yield soon, or is it something that not only historically but also mathematically they have a very strict way of how they do it, which is why it happens that way. Yeah. So just being able to know that information as well and seeing when you can expect the big changes yeah. to occur. So Well, and it's important, you know, as we talk about uh, t uh, fundamentals or we talk about uh, technicals, 
they do change over time. So the way that you confirm or negate a technical setup or the way that you look at a fundamental setup, you know, a year where we have 1.1 billion carryout for corn versus another year where we had that 1.1 billion carryout for corn, even though those numbers are the same, the setup for that is totally different. The world, the world uh, uh, grain population or world grain situation is different. The demand situation is different. The supply uh, and where it comes from is is different. And you know, even to the point of, I think we had this this internal kind of battle about a, a head and shoulders uh, position in in on the charts uh, a couple of months ago where. We were looking at it, and you pointed out, well, we need to see two closes uh, below this level to confirm. Or, and a lot of people were saying, no, 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 we just need to have one close below. And, and I think you pointed it out perfectly is that there was a way to to do that with one close years ago, but they've seen that the way things have changed, and that's how, and it's been written that way now. Yeah, and it's something that. Going to the pattern site and doing things along those lines, showing how it's changed where at first you had a lot of people in the pit and a lot of people were doing it the same way. And then you started going more computer. And the more that it went over to computer, the quicker the markets became and the more you needed that confirmation because the statistics behind how often it works, where you should be targeting for your objective, it, it all changed because you started to see people front running formations, which meant that you had to shrink your uh, target Mm -hmm. for, like, say, head and shoulders or whatever it may be. Go from looking at 100% movement to a 67% movement in order to be taking profits. So different things along those lines as the markets are starting to speed up, become more volatile, become more quantitative as opposed to human driven there's lots of different variables to take into account right let's talk about something uh from a chart perspective and and it's something that we've seen a lot of this year we've seen it in different markets and uh give us an indication when we talk about gaps on the charts what do they mean as we're in a trend let's say we're in an uptrend like we were with like we are with like we were with corn we're seeing a gap left on the way up and then it gaps again and then maybe it gaps again and then as it comes back down and we start to fill those gaps let's talk about that what are you looking for when you see these gaps and what do the different gaps mean yeah so first thing that should always be watched when you're looking for gaps is whether or not gaps happen very frequently in that market much like lumber and if they do happen, you can discount them as just common gaps. It's something that's just part of that market because it's so liquid. Right. Little, little bit of uh, traders can move the market a big amount. Like the Sunday night gap in grains, almost. You know, you can almost set your watch to it uh, uh, during the spring or the summer. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at that, and when you're coming to a market that's more liquid, you're going to be watching for really three types of gaps. You got your breakaway gap your runaway gap, and then your exhaustion gap. Your runaway gap is going to be mentioned as also a measuring gap. But you'd be looking for those three gaps in order to really watch a good rallying, trending move happen. And once you get to that exhaustion gap, something you should be looking at, dialing back your risk. You should be looking at potential reversal. 
and look for a gap in the opposite direction that is remaining open. Because if they're unable to fill that gap, we saw it in 2008, it's typically not something that you're going to remain with the original trend. So as long as that gap does remain open and the farther we pull away from it, the more it looks like a breakaway gap as opposed to just a one-off thing that will be filled. Okay. Let's talk real quick about, let's use corn as a prime example here. So corn has a gap down at 477.5 on the December chart. Rally up. Anytime we did gap, we'd gone, we'd gone back and filled it, except for that 477.5. We go up, we make our high. I think we made our high early in, in May. And then on the way back down, and, and, you know, we're trading a good solid $1 range, but on the way back down, we gapped lower coming out of 4th of July weekend. That gap on the on the corn up above the market now at five at five seventy three and a half is still open. What do you make of those two? Are those are those magnets for the market at this point, or is that just at some point we feel like one or both of those gaps could and should be filled? So an interesting thing is everyone keeps talking about the gap above, and you just brought up the gap below, but. There is still another gap that has 100% been forgotten about, and it's the gap from the beginning part of this rally almost this time last year. So you actually have two gaps below you, if you're, especially if you're looking at it's a most active. What, 385? Something, yeah, it's, something like that. it's well down there. Yeah. So you do have a very far away gap that's forgotten about right now, and if you do leave this topside gap open and you start to break some of these support levels – having those two gaps below you is going to look more burdensome than the one above because then you're looking at a new breakaway gap on this most active chart. And whether or not it does hold for a month, two months, a year, whatever it may be, we saw the 2013 gap hold for years and years and years and did not get filled up until I think it was 2020 when we finally filled that up. So a lot of things to be watching, but with the two gaps below, you have more weights and more targets downside than you do currently upside, and you're seeing these lower highs being posted, which is also a little bit burdensome at this point. Okay. But that doesn't necessarily mean that on this specific December contract we're going to, to go and, and fill those. Not at all. You know, we don't. there's nothing that says we have to – we have to go to fill those. And on a continuous chart or, or a, a December continuous chart, we could leave those uh, leave those active for a year, two years, some, you know, like you said, 2013. Um, so that's something to be to be mindful of. What about in a market like like the hogs where you know they had a nice, nice, strong rally up to the 120, 125 area. And then on the way down, they left like three or four gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that just shows one lower liquidity. It's not terrible, but it's mm-hmm. definitely lower than, say, corn is. And two, just the wants to get out of a very well-trending market. Because up until that point, hogs were on a straight shot to the moon. So to see everyone say, you know what, I need to get out of here, was really one of the bigger ones. Much like what we saw in cattle in 2020 or even in 2019 with the Tyson fire. Mm-hmm. Just saw people say, get me out of it. I don't want to be a part of this. Right. 
Now, is there is there a certain way to handle trading gaps? You know, let's say it's the the we saw this back in 2019. We had a gap at 420, and everybody looked at that gap and said, "Well, if we go back and we fill that gap." The market's going to look at that as objective achieve, uh, achieved, and we're going to go straight back up. Mm-hmm. That didn't. That wasn't the case. But there have been other other times where we've gone filled the gap, and it really was ob- objective achieved, and it went right back to where where it, where we were at before. Is there a certain way that you look at these gaps as it's just going to blow right through it? Or that's going to stop everything and turn it back around? Yeah, so a good way of looking at it, especially with that 2019 gap, is whether or not that gets filled up on the first attempt or not. Usually if it does get filled on the first attempt, it's a achieved. We got it. Now we can go back to a regu- regular scheduled programming if there's a formation on chart, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. But when you come in here and you leave that gap open by a little bit, much like we did in 2019 where you came down and you just missed filling it by a half cent and you saw spec buying with a very easy risk of Mm -hmm. gap fill, you saw it rifle back up to I think it was about 460 and then came rifling right back through it. It was a no breaks kind of movement, just went right through. So how many times it takes to try and fill that gap is going to put more weight on it, that if we do finally fill it after one, two, three attempts – it's something that's a little bit more weighted to potentially just going right through it. Okay. And you made it. You made a comment last night. We gapped higher uh, after um, kind of turning these markets around yesterday afternoon, and then seeing uh, soybeans were two percent uh, lower on good to excellent conditions. We gapped, I think, about a nickel higher uh, on the soybeans last night. You made a comment almost right on the open, saying, "Watch out if we fill that gap." watch out what was what was your thinking or what was the mindset behind a statement like that uh and how is that different than you know what if the what if we held that gap you know why does why was it look out below if we filled that gap last night versus we held that gap for say a week or two and then came back down to it yeah so it just goes to show the immediacy of it everyone wants to be bullish right now everyone's got a story it dropped two percent whatever it may be but you have the story and if you have the story you should have the support to back it up so the fact that you're not able to leave these gaps open shows that you really don't have that much support you have enough willing participants on the short side to even in the face of more bullish news step in here and say you know what i'm willing to sell it and I, I mean, I, th- I think as we, you know, we look at it mostly from a fundamental uh, standpoint, like you said, with the with the two percent uh, decrease in good to excellent conditions, the weather flip flopping the way it is. I mean, it's it's almost like, you know, we talk we've talked about it before in weather markets where every six hours we're changing our stance. And and sometimes it's we're really paying attention to the. Most current one to five day forecast. Sometimes we're watching six to ten days. Sometimes we're keying on what the eleven to fifteen day is, even though we know that one's not as uh, as likely to verify. But man, it seems like from one day to the next, or one forecast to the next, we're seeing these major shifts in temperature and major shifts in precipitation, and that's what's driving this market up back 
you know, in either direction. So it's hard to establish, as we've talked about with all the volatility, it's hard to establish a long-term position. Is it more more likely that just because the market wants to be bullish but can't sustain it, that we need to be careful about what this means for potential downside in, say, the bean market? Yeah, we're at elevated levels right now that we have not been at for 8, 10 years. Sustained elevated levels. Right. Yeah. So at this point, it's you have a crop that is either going to be made or not in the next month. You got a demand situation that we still have a full another year to figure out. But as of right now, we got some questions about if it is going to be as bullish as we're expecting. So you have the potential for supply getting more bullish. And you have the potential for demand getting less bullish. And you're having this fight between the two. And it's clearly showing on price action. And you're starting to be, as time progresses, starting to dwindle in that range, which is showing that less and less people are wanting to really take it out that far and are quicker to be taking profits or reversing their position because we are getting very close to that time frame that we're going to answer one of those questions. And if we've answered one of those questions and the next one is whether or not this is becoming more or less uh, bullish, and as right now from what we've been seeing for exports, it seems to be more leaning towards the bearish side. It's something that you'll hear the phrase, uh, the easy route is lower. Mm-hmm. So something definitely to be watching and with where risk is, knowing how to protect yourself and knowing where your crop development is currently at and being able to do all that uh, now as opposed to seeing it potentially drop or potentially go higher and going higher because you don't have the crop or dropping because you do have the crop and not being positioned correctly either way. Definitely something to be watching and getting your risk off the table now as opposed to later, which is a great thing that we have this conference coming up on Thursday because it's going to give so much information about where your risk is, how to position yourself, what the weather's going to be looking like, and everything in between. So definitely something to sign up for and get all your plans together here for the back half of the year. And if you guys have not signed up yet, 800-262-7538. But Dave for Allendale, this is Mike Lone, Greg McBride, signing off. Have a great one.